the Girl Crush Podcast. Some theme music. We're obsessed with Jennifer Aniston. Pretty good plot. What about her hair? We were very messed up. So there's actually a pretty big spread. This is iconic Jen. It's perfection. I love the ending. Jen was definitely the best. Oh, yeah. It just has it all. It's so good. It's hilarious. Great Jen hair and outfits. This was super entertaining. It's true. Hello and welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Anne. We love Jennifer Aniston, so this season we're watching all of her movies and ranking them. For more content related to Jen and the movies we're reviewing, find Girl Crush Podcast on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. So on today's episode, we'll be talking about the two animated films that Jen has been in, The Iron Giant and Storks. So The Iron Giant was released in 1999. You can rent this on Amazon Prime. And Jen plays Annie Hughes. And the summary for Iron Giant is a giant alien robot (laughs) falls to (laughs) Earth and a young boy befriends him and tries to keep him a secret when the government comes after him. And then for Storks, Storks was released in 2016. You can also rent this on Amazon Prime. Jen plays Sarah Gardner. So in this movie, the storks have gone full capitalism and operate like Amazon in the sky, but for babies. And the story follows Tulip and Junior, a girl who was raised by the storks and a stork trying to get promoted as they try to deliver an unapproved baby to Nate Gardner's family. Chaos and charm ensue. (laughs) So here's your spoiler alert warning. You can go pause and go watch these. It's probably easier to just listen to this podcast um, because we're just going to do a quick review (laughs) of them. So yeah. So we'll start off with the plot of Iron Giant. We'll actually go through all of Iron Giant, and then we'll go through all of Storks, and then we'll review the total scores and rankings at the end. And Anne, do you remember when we watched this movie? I was traveling for work, so I was staying in a hotel, and I, like, went to three different stores so that I could find wine and this, like, (laughs) tiny little container of ice cream. (laughs) And I watched this on my phone as we G-chatted on my work computer. (laughs) This is definitely a movie you want to watch while you're traveling for business. Unwind. <laughs> Great film. Felt that. so, it was so fitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so, True commitment. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> to, watch, to watch this on a work trip. So for Iron Giant, we gave the plot a 7.5 out of 10. So the movie starts with an object crashing from outer space to Earth. And a nine-year-old boy named Hogarth, side note, what kind of name is that? Literally so unfortunate. Of all the names they could have chosen in the entire world, how did they land on Hogarth? (laughs) This movie lost me in that very moment. (laughs) Negative points. Yes. So Hogarth gets, he, he notices this happen and he goes to investigate and he finds this like giant alien robot who is starting to wreak havoc. He's like eating electrical lines and like he's eating metal and stuff like that. But Hogarth ends up befriending this giant and he kind of finds out that the giant's actually really friendly despite accidentally causing really crazy things to happen. For instance, eating train tracks and causing a train to derail. Minor destruction. Yep, exactly. He also has this ability to self-repair that we learn about. So if like part of him gets destroyed, the metal will kind of like act magnetic and he can put himself back together. But after this object crashed from the sky, the government becomes suspicious of whatever fell down. And they've been investigating, trying to figure out what's going on. 
So they come to this town and they're asking around and this government agent becomes suspicious of Hogarth after he talks with him. And Hogarth's mom, who's played by Jen, she's this hardworking single mom and offers to rent the agent a room while he's in town. Hard pass on stranger yeah, danger here. Seriously. This guy is so creepy. He is super creepy. This, gov- this government agent, Agent Mansley, I think is his name. He is just a creep. Mm-hmm. And Hogarth, Hogarth is like befriending this giant and he crosses paths with a neighbor named Dean who owns a junkyard. <laughs> and Hogarth convinces him to let the giant stay there because he'll blend in well <laughs> with the scrap that's at the junkyard. <laughs> and in the meantime, Hogarth and the giant are becoming really close friends and Hogarth is like teaching him all about the world. So back to the agent, who's again, a total creep. He becomes aware of the junkyard and he gets suspicious that the giant is being kept there and he's still really suspicious of Hogarth but Dean is able to hide the giant within his junkyard art so the agent kind of gives up on that for a little bit and Hogarth and the giant are playing together and at one point Hogarth points this toy gun at the giant and it ignites this defense mechanism that seems to be like part of the giant's nature and it activates that and he starts going after Hogarth. So Dean is able to like stop the situation. He orders the giant to go away because he's protecting Hogarth. And the giant becomes really sad because he never wanted to hurt Hogarth and he didn't mean for this to happen. He's like full of remorse. It's really sad. (laughs) And Dean realizes this and he and Hogarth start to chase after the giant. So the giant gets to the center of town and even saves the lives of two little boys, further proving to us that he is, you know, good natured and he's, he has a good heart deep down. And the government agent has brought in the army to go after this space giant. And he orders them to go after the giant when he sees him in town. And they're going after the giant who at this point is carrying Hogarth. And we find out he's able to fly. So he grabs Hogarth and he starts flying away. But the army shoots down the giant, and Hogarth is knocked unconscious. And they, like, they, like, know that yes. the army is holding him. Yes! Or that Hogarth, wow, the giant is holding Hogarth, and they're still like, yep, shoot it. Exactly. I'm like, this is a nine-year-old boy we're talking about. What are you doing? This is a dark movie. It, it is dark. So the giant is absolutely devastated. He thinks that Hogarth is dead. He doesn't realize he's just unconscious. And he goes into this fit of rage and grief, and he turns into this war machine and goes to retaliate against the army. But thankfully, Hogarth wakes up, and he is able to calm the giant down. So the army general is ready to stand down, but the creep agent Mansley orders that they launch a nuclear missile at the giant, which will also destroy the entire town and everybody in the town. So the Iron Giant, being the sweet soul that robot that he is, decides to save the town. He, like, says goodbye to Hogarth and flies off to intercept the missile before it can hit the town. And it's super sweet. He, like, he knows he's about to sacrifice himself. And he just smiles and says Superman, which is a little joke that he and Hogarth had talked about as Hogarth was teaching him about, you know, being a good guy. And he collides with the missile. And burst into a million pieces. It's like actually really upsetting. It's so sad. We both cried. (laughs) But he saves the entire town by sacrificing himself. So 
the movie ends, obviously Hogarth is really devastated. And the movie ends after we flash forward. A few months later, we see that Hogarth's mom, Annie and Dean have started a relationship. There's this memorial statue dedicated to the giant. And the army gives Hogarth a package which contains a screw, which is the only remnant found of the giant. Again, so sad. But that night, the screw starts to move on its own, which indicates to Hogarth that the giant may be self-repairing, if you remember one of his special skills. And then we see the giant, like, going through his self-repair in some remote place, and he has this, like, adorable smile on. And that's how it ends. So it's a really cute plot. But it's also like kind of dark for a children's movie. It's really, it's really dark. You didn't even talk about the chloroform scene. You're right. I have that later, but like just in my notes of how dark it is. (laughs) Yeah. At one point, like the agent is, is trying to get Hogarth. What is, what exactly is he trying to do? I think he's trying to like figure out where the giant is stashed or something. Yeah. And so he. Obviously, he's, like, living at their house, and he's, like, interrogating this child yes. and uses chloroform on him. Which is insane. Literally, it in our is. G-chat, I just have, like, a G-chat from Anne that's, like, chloroform with a bunch of question marks <laughs> and exclamation points, like, on a child? So yeah, it's, dark. It's really weird. There's lots of stranger danger issues. It deals a lot with, like, death and existentialism, which I realize a lot of children's movies deal more with death than we talk about Mm -hmm. but this one I don't know it was like more overtly dark I think than a lot of kids movies totally agree and like the colors in general are really dark yeah the colors are dark this is not like a colorful right bubbly movie yeah it's like lots of grays dark blues purples Mm -hmm. you're right it's like has a whole aesthetic yeah as I was rewriting my plot notes I was realizing a lot of similarities between this plot and Mac and me. <laughs> with like alien crashing to earth, government trying to find alien, young kid befriending alien. So true. Young kid almost dies. Yes. Yep. <laughs> alien saves young kid in some way. <laughs> so true. So A I was kind of like kind of not engaged. Right. Exactly. I was I was laughing at that because it's more similar than I I never thought of it before. That's a great insight. But I love the robot. I think he, the giant, whatever he is, he exhibited so many emotions, which I thought was really sweet from a robot. Like so much remorse when he accidentally went after Hogarth and grief when he thought Hogarth died and then obviously sacrificing himself. It was really sweet. Yeah, I don't don't think I had seen this before we watched it together. I know it's like Mm -hmm. maybe a classic film from the late 90s, but I had never seen it. And uh, I had no idea what to expect going into it. And I for sure cried when he, like, sacrificed Yeah, yeah, totally. I couldn't remember if I had seen it when I was a kid or not either. But I didn't remember if I had seen it. But kind of interesting, too, there's a couple of, besides Jen, there's a couple other big names in this movie. So Harry Connick Jr. voices Dean and Vin Diesel voices the giant, which was, they were originally going to make it be just electronic modulations as the voice of the giant, but... They wanted to personify it a little bit more, so they decided to get an actor to do it, which I thought was pretty interesting. That is. And so talking about how dark the movie is, I did not know this the first time we watched it because I didn't look into this as much, but this was based off of a book that was written by Ted Hughes, who I learned was married to Sylvia Plath, 
who people might know is a poet and a novelist who committed suicide. And apparently Ted Hughes wrote this book to help his children after their mother's suicide, specifically like through the metaphor when like with the giant being able to reassemble himself after he's damaged. I had no idea. That is really interesting. I just started rereading yeah. The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath because I like just have oh, it really? on the shelf. Yeah. That's so, f- oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I thought that was, I had no idea that this was connected to her in any way. And, you know, I'd never heard of that. So I thought that was really interesting as I was doing some re- research. Explains why it's so dark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also, this isn't like a like or a dislike, but even though this was released in the late 90s, for some reason, this really has like a Cold War feel to me for some reason. Like, okay, I was trying to figure out if it was actually set in the 90s or if it might have been set a little bit before. I feel like it might have been set before because the, like at one point, the agent or whatever is talking about how it's like a spy from Russia or... Or something. Yeah, so that was clearly a big part. And yeah. I don't know. Just like, I don't know. Something about it just makes me feel like it was from that era or like that's. Yeah. I, I don't know. know. Even the animation. Yeah. It's not like super sophisticated. Yeah, definitely not. It's, but it is kind of like nostalgic. It's, it's not advanced by any means. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I thought it was cute. It was likable. It was different in the sense that. It was kind of darker, so I could appreciate that. And there were some some neat themes in it. Yeah. It's yeah. a good pl- – yeah, it's a good plot. It's cute. Yeah. I didn't think I would really like it going into it. I was like, oh, right, same. stupid like, old oh, animated watch movie. <laughs> yeah. And then I watched it and I was like, the robot dies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so sad. So for Jen's character in this movie, Annie, we gave the character a 6 out of 10. She's not in, like, a ton of the movie. The character right. isn't. What really knocks her down in my book is that she just, like, invites this random creepy dude to live with them. Yes. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> and he's, like, stalking her son and tortures him, essentially. And yes. she just, like... And she just, like, doesn't know. Doesn't know. Is not aware. <laughs> so some character points knocked off in my books on that mm-hmm. account. Definitely. And she also just doesn't seem to be that concerned about, like, where he is in general. Like... Obviously, she's she's working and stuff, so he's home alone, but he's, like, doing whatever he wants, and she just doesn't seem that concerned until later in the movie she does then show a lot of care, like, once he's actually in danger. This was the 90s, though. If you yeah, didn't true. have to be home until, like, it was You're time right. for dinner and then someone worried about where you were. <laughs> <laughs> true. Or in this case, maybe it was, like, Cold War and... Uh, yeah. You know, he was just like a latchkey kid, you know? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. 80s, yeah, 70s? So for Jen's acting in this, this is obviously hard to rate since, first of all, it's just voice acting. And then second of all, her character is not in the movie that much. So we rated this a 5 out of 10. There's just not a whole lot to go off of. And her character doesn't have a lot of opportunity to give a lot, even in the voice. I will say towards the end, there's the a part where she's talking about her son being with the giant when they're when the army's going after him and she does give some emotion there which I think is good but I just think it could have been anybody it didn't have to be Jennifer Aniston which a lot of her roles she forms them into this like iconic thing through her acting so I think that's why we didn't rate it higher yeah her voice is like instantly recognizable though yeah that's true for sure so that's a plus. Mm-hmm. For her hair, 
We have to give it a zero out of two because it's animated and drawn on. So we can't actually read it. So <laughs> zero out of two and no further comment. Yep. But for Would You Watch Again, we rated this a five out of five, which means that we both said we would watch this movie again. Yeah, I I don't I still don't think it's something I would just like randomly turn on, but it is so cute. And after I watched it, I think when we were rating this. I it like spurred some emotion within me, and I was like, "Yes, I would yeah. watch that again." So yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Especially if I if it, there was somebody I knew who hadn't seen it yet, I'd be like, "Oh, we should watch that." And like some days, you're just in the mood for like an animated kids movie, and this is a fun one to put on. I'm sure there's those that even as adults, all of us put on as sort of our classic go to animated films. But I think this is a fun one to throw in the mix. That's a little bit different and throw back to the 90s which is kind of fun yeah even if you're a little apprehensive about watching it i, I think it's worth it because i felt the same way mm-hmm. it. yeah definitely okay so our next film is storks so this was released like 17 years after iron giant mm-hmm. and we gave this plot an overall rating of a 7 out of 10 and so we have this company called Cornerstone.com, and it is this stork slash baby Amazon of the skies. <laughs> and it is run by a CEO stork named Hunter. 18 years ago, a stork named Jasper attempted to steal a baby girl, and her address, like, beacon thing was destroyed mm-hmm. in the process. So, like, they had no way of knowing how she should get to her family. So the Storks ended up adopting her and named her Tulip, and now, 18 years later, she works at Cornerstone. And she has a lot of good ideas. She's very well-intentioned on how to improve Cornerstone, but they backfire and the company is not doing so well as a result. So CEO Hunter wants to fire her because she's bad for business, and he assigns Junior, who is voice acted by Andy Samberg, to fire her. But Junior likes Tulip too much, and so instead he just assigns her to the mailroom out of sight. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, down on Earth, there's a little boy named Nate Gardner who really wants a sibling, but his workaholic parents are too busy for him or a baby. Jennifer Aniston is the voice of Nate's mom, and her name is Sarah Gardner. And for some reason, when I originally read that name, I was like, she's definitely played a Sarah Gardner in a different movie. She has not. She has not. It does sound like <laughs> like a name. Of, I don't know. It's just a classic name, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I like went through every one of her characters' names, <laughs> convinced that it was a dupe, and it's not. So Sarah Gardner is a real estate agent, and she is like simultaneously disengaged and also overprotective of her son. Mm-hmm. And she says that she is too busy for work or for another baby. And Nate's dad, Henry, is played by Ty. Is it Burl or Burrell? Actually, I'm not sure. I've never said it aloud. (laughs) No idea. I know. One of those words. Anyway, he's the dad from Modern Family, so two, like, really recognizable voices there. Yes. And he was also in, he was also um, Aaron number two in Friends with Money. Yes. Yes, he was. No idea how we said his name then. I think I just said it was the dad from Modern Family. (laughs) Avoided his (laughs) name altogether. Anyway, so Nate resorts to sending a letter to Cornerstone asking for a sibling. And Tulip in the mailroom reads it, and she just goes rogue and submits the letter <laughs> to the baby machine, which sounds super weird to say, but the animation is actually real cute. Yeah. So Junior finds out about this, and he's afraid Hunter is going to fire him for not firing Tulip in the first place. So he agrees to help her 
covertly deliver this like unapproved baby mm-hmm. <laughs> to the gardeners. However, he cannot fly the baby himself because he injured his wing trying to shut down the baby making machine when he realized what Tulip had done. So (laughs) they start on their journey in this little contraption Tulip had created, eventually, of course, crashing. And they run into this scary pack of wolves who end up loving the baby. And during all of this, Tulip and Junior are both starting to love the baby. She has like this bright pink hair. She's very cute. They name her Diamond Destiny. (laughs) Just like the ultimate kids' name movie, way better than Hogarth. Yeah, come on. (laughs) And there are a couple like cute montage scenes of them trying to feed the baby or change her diaper or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's cute. So back at Nate's house, his parents have started to come around to having a younger sibling. And there's this whole cute scene of them like kind of engaging with their son again and building Mm -hmm. this like landing strip slash platform for um, the stork with Nate. As Tulip and Junior continue their journey, they run into Jasper, who is the stork who tried to steal Tulip 18 years ago. And he's like a little kooky. Mm -hmm. But Jasper has deep remorse from his actions all those years ago. And he's been trying to fix Tulip's address beacon, but he's missing this piece. And it turns out Tulip has had the missing piece all along, which totally reminds me of the Monsters, Inc. scene with the missing piece of the door to Boo's room. (laughs) She like plugs in the piece and it lights up. (laughs) Junior comes clean and tells Tulip that he was supposed to fire her, and she's really upset, so she sets out with Jasper to find her family, and Junior continues with Diamond Destiny's delivery (laughs) on his own. Meanwhile, back at Cornerstone, this other stork figures out what's going on and tells CEO Hunter about it, who puts in a new address to Diamond Destiny's beacon and leads Junior into a trap. Mm. And then Junior gets fired, and Diamond Destiny is confiscated, and their plan is to have her live with penguins until she's an adult <laughs> so they can just hide the entire incident. Hilarious to read out loud. So <laughs> do you ever wonder, like, I've always wondered how people, adults, successfully write television and movies for children. <laughs> yes. Like the ridiculous, like, plots that they have to how come up with. How do you get it ridiculous enough, but still not so ridiculous that it doesn't make any sense? <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, someone very serious pitching an absolute ridiculous story to, like, HBO or... Like, listen, her name was Diamond Destiny. WB, yeah. <laughs> oh, it takes a special like a person, suit. I'm sure. I'm yes. sure. <laughs> it's like, I can't and then the it. penguins. <laughs> oh, I don't... So yeah, it's amazing. What a skill. Anyway, everyone then reunites and returns to Stork Mountain for Stork Con. (laughs) I can't. can't. So they can save Diamond Destiny from the penguins. And since they're unwanted guests, they end up cornered in the baby factory, Tulip and Junior, with I don't know if the baby's with them or not at this point. But as a distraction, Junior sends a ton of letters into the baby-making machine, which sets Mm -hmm. the machine off like crazy, making tons of babies, which distracts Hunter and the other storks. Hunter somehow gets into a crane and tries to just destroy the entire factory, but he ends up plummeting to his death while trying to kill Junior and Tulip, which is, like, kind of dark. Also, in that pitch room, how do you, like, pitch a children's murder scene? I don't get it. Yes. So true. That's that's rough. Would love to learn more about this. Mm-hmm. So now Cornerstone has been destroyed. 
but Junior rallies the other storks to rise to the occasion and deliver all the babies to their families, old school stork style. They're not, like, shipping them anymore. Mm -hmm. So Junior, Tulip, and Jasper deliver Diamond Destiny to Nate's family. And Nate at first is not thrilled with getting a little sister because he wanted a baby brother, but then he sees her baby ninja skills and cheers up. (laughs) Adorable. And then Tulip goes and meets her family. And Stork Mountain is revived to its former glory, headed by Tulip and Junior. The end. Love it. (laughs) So there are also a lot of famous voices here, as there seems to be in more modern animated movies. But I guess in the one you just talked about, there was famous voices as well. Yeah. So like I said, Andy Samberg, Ty Burrell or Burrell, Keegan-Michael Key, I said it right (laughs) this time, and Jordan Peele, just to name a few. Yeah, there's... I love Andy Samberg, too. I think he does a really good job in this. Yeah, he he does an excellent job in this. Like, he's a really mm-hmm. expressive voice actor, really yeah. entertaining. I also for sure did tear up um, during this movie. <laughs> during the scene when all the storks are delivering the babies at the end, it's super cute, and the song it's choice so is so clutch, Fire in the Flood by Vance Joy. And I, at the time, was like, why am I crying? <laughs> Are we just very sensitive or are they just really good at their jobs? I think they just like, they know when to, when to pull it, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I have to say too, like, I, I think this is a good example of a movie that has like some clever adaptations to make it into a kid's movie, but still has like things in it that adults can enjoy, which as an adult, mm-hmm. I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. There's this behind-the-scenes video on YouTube, and there's this whole clip of Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Key growling because they're, the, uh-huh. they're these, the wolves and doing, like, their whole dialogue. It is so funny. The facial expressions they're making are worth going and watching this video on YouTube. Like, they look ridiculous. I have not seen it, so I have to go look at that. <laughs> you do. You do. That's amazing. Yeah. This is not a dislike, but... I find it really funny to read prestigious people's reviews of animated children's movies, and I wanted to read one to you. Okay, please do. So, okay, this is from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Why are they reviewing this movie? I don't know. Right. <laughs> Here we go. The whole movie seems to be on fast forward with crushingly brainless dialogue, hollow imagery, and no way of slowing down the febrile action or making sense of the chaotic plot. I'm like, this is for children. <laughs> Their attention spans are about 20 seconds, and they have limited to no vocabulary. Like, what is supposed to be in this what movie? Were you, what, what were you expecting? It's called Storks. <laughs> it's animated. Yeah, what? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I love that. I don't get it. <laughs> There's, like, a lot of really interesting reviews of this movie, and I'm like, you guys take your jobs way too seriously. Yeah, that's so funny. I think it's totally worth watching, though. It's a really cute one. I think so, too. The animation is really cute. Like, the colors mm-hmm. are really cute. It was entertaining yeah, totally. even as an adult. Mm-hmm. And a different feel from The Iron Giant, which we said was kind of dark and stuff. This one is much brighter. Yeah, total 180. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that, like, I mean, this is a unique plot, but I appreciate that it's not a sequel or a prequel or some, like, yeah. trilogy, which I feel like most <laughs> animated movies are these days. Yeah, that's true. So, that Yeah, that's nice. a good point. I think it's worth a watch. I think it is too. It's it's cute. Mm-hmm. So for Jen's character, Sarah Gardner, uh, Nate's mom, we rated a 6.5 out of 10. And she's kind of not really engaged with her son throughout the movie. She's just very focused on her work. She's 
not really, doesn't seem to really take an interest in what he's doing or what he's interested in and anything like that. But she does end up coming around at the end. Like his parents are then, you know, helping him create that landing strip for the storks and stuff like that. But it takes her a while to get there. So it kind of makes her lose a couple of points, I think. Yeah. The only interview I could find of Jennifer Aniston for this movie was like mm-hmm. on the red carpet, <laughs> like a 30 <laughs> second clip of someone talking to her. Mm-hmm. And she described the character as being a workaholic, distracted type A, not paying as much attention to her little one as she should. But then she goes, but then she does. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Redeeming quality. Yeah. So yeah. I guess that that's what allows it to be a 6.5 instead of lower is that she does come around at the end. She does. And for her acting here, we again gave this a 5 out of 10. I mean, you, again, can only base this off of her voice. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's not in a lot of scenes. She's pretty expressive in the scenes she's in, though, and again has, like, obviously her very recognizable voice. Right. So she actually said that doing this voice acting was a little bit jarring at first, and when she just heard her own voice, she didn't like it at first, which I thought was kind of interesting. Because you'd think she'd be used to, like, hearing herself, even in everything else she's been in, even though she's on screen, too. I feel like I can relate to that sentiment just with this podcast. (laughs) Totally. Where I hear my voice, I'm like, oh no. Yep. Like, do I really sound like that? <laughs> On the red carpet, though, she said she hadn't seen the whole movie yet at the time. So, oh, okay. I guess she's probably seen it since then. Yeah. Yeah. And I tried to find a video of her actually, like, voice recording so we could see mm-hmm. her facial expressions while she was in the studio, but I couldn't find anything. Again, she's not really in a, a lot of scenes. Yeah. I, I looked for something similar for um, The Iron Giant. I couldn't find anything, but I did read, and I've, I've heard this about other animated movies, like, in the Iron Giant, they actually recorded the boy who plays Hogarth. They recorded him doing his lines, and that helped the team who was doing the animation, like, actually bring his character to life, which I thought was pretty interesting. I'm not sure if they do that with every single Hmm. character, or if they might, maybe they just pick and choose sort of the main characters and do that with, but I don't know a ton about animation or what the process is, but I thought that was kind of cool. That's very interesting. Did Mm -hmm. not know that. So for Jen's hair in this, just like Iron Giant, we rated this a zero out of two by default because she has none. No real hair, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Her animated hair is nice, but... Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I think her animated hair in this beats the animated hair in the Iron Giant. I would agree. But that doesn't matter for our ranking system, so that's just a fun side note. (laughs) Just side note. Side opinion. And for Would You Watch Again for this one, we gave it a one out of five. Mm -hmm. It's not, like, classic enough to just turn on like Iron Giant might be. Probably if you have kids or nieces or nephews or children that you could show this to, it's worth it. But probably not something that you need to rush to watch and get your Jennifer Aniston fill from. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think if you're looking for a more recent animated movie, there's... There's others that you would go to first to rewatch. For sure. I think the draw of the Iron Giant was that it there is that like throwback element to it and kind of that nostalgia. Yeah. Like I said, I had not watched it before mm-hmm. we watched it together, but I feel like a lot of people love that movie. It's like their yeah. favorite anima- animated movie from the 90s. Yeah. There seems to be sort of this like cult following to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People grew up with it. Mm-hmm. So to review the two movies that we went over today, for Iron Giant, we rated the plot a 7.5 out of 10, character a 6 out of 10, acting a 5 out of 10, hair a 0 out of 2, and a Would You Watch Again score of 5 out of 5, which brings us to a total score of 23.5, 
out of 37 points, and that brings it to number 27 in the rankings. And for Storks, we rated the plot a 7 out of 10, character a 6.5 out of 10, acting a 5 out of 10, hair a 0 out of 2, and a Would You Watch Again score of 1 out of 5. And that brings Storks to a total score of 19.5, which brings it to the ranking as number 31. So again, Iron Giant at 27 and Storks at 31. And I think basically what we could see here, I think it's kind of interesting that Jen is only in two animated movies. Mm -hmm. She does have an iconic voice, I think, but a lot of her acting involves like her physicality too and her expressions and her mannerisms. And I think that we lose that when she's in an animated film and it doesn't do her justice almost. Yeah, I would agree with that. I do think it's interesting that she has not been in more animated films, though. I feel like it's yeah. fun to be in an animated film. Like, Yeah, it's like different than her everyday work. Yeah, and voiceover studios always look really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know Mind if they them. actually are, but... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of surprising that she, she hasn't done more, but it's definitely not like her niche. Like, that's right, not right. her zone at all. Yeah, I imagine there's probably just been other... I bet she could have done more if she wanted, but I think she's getting plenty of work in a lot of big name movies. Maybe I'm biased. Yeah. And that's probably not like the direction people usually go for like series acting careers. That's probably yeah. to say, but. No, I think that's, I think that's true. It's like a different zone. I don't know. Right. And I think she's gone more into like trying to, trying to get more serious roles and trying to get more producing opportunities and things like that that I think maybe that's just where her interest lies more yeah that's fair not to we'll speak never... for Jennifer Aniston I was gonna say we'll never know or right. will we <laughs> we're totally guessing sorry if we're wrong <laughs> good yeah cool thanks for listening to the girl crush podcast we'd love to hear your thoughts on instagram at girl crush underscore pod or by email at podcast girl crush at gmail.com As usual, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Tune in next time when we'll be talking about the object of my affection. Bye! Bye!